This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight, warning sign. Trump's big win in New Hampshire exposes major problems for Republicans in November. This was actually a fairly good night for Joe Biden. The new number showing Trump needs Biden and Biden needs Trump. Does America have any chance of doing better? Texas does Texas. The Lone Star State tells the Supreme Court to jump in the Rio Grande. How long will the White House along Texas to go it alone? We want to deal with what's going on at the border. He's taking this very seriously. Citizen Army, our closest ally, warns Vladimir Putin once war has the West gone soft. And hit the brakes. Big Auto slows the production of electric vehicles in America. This cold is brutal, it's, it's draining the battery. I can't even get inside the car. This week proved EVs can't save us from climate change. We'll expose the radical proposal by America's elite for COVID lockdowns to save the planet. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. Nice to be with you tonight back in Washington. The race for the Republican nomination right now looks oddly the same as it did about 24 hours ago, before New Hampshire. Right now, no matter what you hear, Trump is by far the likely nominee. And there are plenty of warning bells about his general election prospects, his ability to win the general election. That's on point tonight. My pictures right now of the Nikki Haley rally in South Carolina. She's going to make the same case she made for a few weeks now. In New Hampshire, she told us independent voters want an alternative to Donald Trump. Well, so do some Republicans that we interviewed as well. Both Trump and Biden are historically unpopular. In New Hampshire, Donald Trump got about 54% of the Republican primary electorate. Historically unpopular Joe Biden, who wasn't on the ballot in New Hampshire, did not hold a single event or spend a dollar on television, got 57% of the Democratic primary through write-in votes. The last person to win as a write-in candidate in New Hampshire was Lyndon Baines Johnson in 1968. Just days after that, he dropped out of the race. Something worth noting about Iowa in terms of Trump's support Trump won a lower percentage of the Republican caucuses in 2024, 51%, than he did the general election vote in that state in 2020, 53%. Donald Trump's support is shrinking. Haley told us she has more than enough money to stay in through Super Tuesday and already has ads going up in South Carolina hitting Trump on this issue of electability, trying to tie Trump and Biden together. She did the same thing when... We had an interview with her the day before the election. She wants to be running against both Trump and Biden at once. We're going to show you the ad a little later. But you can't argue 
with the polling. Haley does much better in a general election. So unlike most political ads, the ad we're going to show you is a pretty fair assessment of the situation. Roughly three quarters of Americans don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. Most of America hopes we could do better than two near 80-year-olds obsessed with power and ego. Trump and Biden desperately want a rematch. In fact, you might really say that Trump and Biden need a rematch. Because look at the other alternatives. Michelle Obama would trounce Trump, and Haley beats Biden in national polls. Some of those polls show Haley turning traditionally very blue states red in protest of Joe Biden. So Trump needs Biden, Biden needs Trump. It's that simple. And you don't need us to tell you why. Here are my former colleagues at Fox News explaining it. If you think of him as an incumbent, this showing tonight's weak. Seven in ten Nikki Haley voters said, I would not vote for Trump. According to our voter analysis, 35% of Republicans said they would not vote for Donald Trump. Now, that is New Hampshire. It was a blue state. But still, that's not good news for Donald Trump. So whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump. This is irrespective of of personalities. This is just about the data. He does well with hardcore Republican voters. He's likely to win the primary. He does terrible with independent and moderate voters. And last night showed that. It is not a secret. But Trump needs those very same voters, those Nikki Haley-like voters, to win the presidency. That doesn't seem to matter to the Republican primary electorate. With us now, George Will, Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist for The Washington Post, News Nation senior political contributor, with a column out today. Haley's gallant game-on message Tuesday night might ultimately be unavailing. She is, however, standing alone against Trump, possibly becoming the most valuable president progressivism has ever had. Is that an endorsement? (laughs) Of whom? Nikki Haley. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> How's that for an answer? All right, there you go. With the South Carolina tie on tonight. Exactly. Donald Trump is desperate to not have a race. After Iowa, a trivial slice of the American people, a trivial slice of Iowans, for that matter, he said, game's over, time to go home. That was the top of the first inning. The bottom of the first inning in New Hampshire said, game's over, don't have to, get barely half the, he was running as an incumbent, basically, and he barely got over half the vote up there. All right. Fair enough. But if you keep getting barely over half the vote through South Carolina, where he's way up in the polls, and then on Super Tuesday, you're still in first place. If you use the magic word. Part of his charisma is his wealth. We now know that he exaggerated it. The other part of his charisma is the sense of inevitability, the fact that he's not a loser, that he doesn't lose well. Wait till he loses one, and then let's see what happens. And then let's see what happens when you get to more and more states where independents can vote. Mr. Trump disparages Nikki Haley's achievement because he said, well, she depended on independent voters. Everyone knows that this election in November is going to be settled by independent voters, most important of which are college-educated women in the suburbs. All right. uh, Trump's New Hampshire voter struggles. Republican voters with college degrees, 37 percent. Independent voters, 38 percent. Let me flip this around to you. If Nikki Haley cannot win in New Hampshire, where she had the most popular governor in America stumping for her hour after hour, where she had fawning media coverage, where she had spent 11 months 
with her message and where the electorate is tailor-made for her kind of message, where between now and Super Tuesday, and including Super Tuesday, is she going to win? First of all, perhaps in her home state. It is Where she's down 30 points. Yeah, let me tell you something. A little baseball here. The Dodgers were ahead of the Giants by 14 games in early August in 1951. It ended with Bobby Thompson hitting a home run and the Giants going to the World Series. Things are fluid in baseball. Things are fluid in life, fluid in politics. This is a long way from over, which is why Donald Trump is manifestly nervous. Furthermore, she gets under his skin. That is true. And I think that was planned last night. I mean, if you listen to her speech, it was was definitely planned. We're going to play back to back the clip to prove your point. Trump claims he'd do better than me in one of those tests. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But if he thinks that, then he should have no problem standing on a debate stage with me. And just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. So this is the same Donald Trump from 2015, 2016, the same, the same lines. This is what you wrote in April of 2016 about Donald Trump. Donald Trump's damage to the Republican Party, although already extensive, has barely begun. Republican quislings will multiply, slinking into support of the most anti-conservative president aspirant in their party's history. I understand your feelings about Donald Trump. There's a lot of Republicans who feel that way. There's a lot of Republicans who like him. Are you and certain people who are wishing for a different type of candidate underestimating once again his power and his appeal among working class Republican primary voters? I don't think so. Under the Republican primary electorate, if that if a Republican primary electorate picked presidents, he'd win. It doesn't. The Electoral College does. You need 270 of those votes. And to get them, you need to have the kind of coalition that can be put together by someone like Nikki Haley. All right. Why then does the electability argument seem to ring so hollow when I interview time and time again those Republican primary voters in Rochester, New Hampshire and uh, places farther north? Because a certain significant portion of the Republican nominating electorate wants to beat Biden, but really wants to express itself, its tribal solidarity with their their vote. They're not focused on winning. When they focus on winning, when the question becomes who is most apt to enable the Republicans to replace Joe Biden, I think you'll see a shift. Prediction has been made. The endorsement has been made. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Sure. Thank you, as always. The standoff between the state of Texas and the United States Supreme Court intensified today. Normally, of course, when the Supreme Court says something, it happens right now. Like Bush v. Gore. Bush became president. Except evidently in Texas, that's not how it works. Authorities in Texas believe it is their constitutional right to defy a 5-4 ruling this week which allows the Biden administration to cut razor wire that Texas erected on the U.S.-Mexico border. Representative Chip Roy said the Supreme Court ruling should be ignored. Here we've got the Supreme Court getting it wrong. In a 5-4 to four decision, they get it wrong, and they're making the state of Texas have to be subservient to a federal government that refuses to do its job and therefore endangers our people. 
Texas seems to feel the same way. They continue to put up more razor wire across the border. Governor Greg Abbott has declared an invasion over the border crisis and invoked a right to, quote, self-defense. Here now, director of the Independent Women's Law Center, May Malman. May, it is good to see you, as always, formerly of the White House Counsel's Office under President Trump. I, I get there's a lot of minutiae in, in these Supreme Court rulings. What I'm trying to figure out, though, is how is it possibly good when you have a member of Congress saying that Texas should, ha- should not be subservient to the federal government? That's how our Constitution works. Well, I think the constitutional argument that Texas and others are making is that the Constitution gives states the right to defend themselves. You're seeing this from Greg Abbott. So, of course, the Constitution trumps mere federal law. So if the Biden administration is asserting that they're acting pursuant to federal law, but Texas says that we have power under the invasion clause that they're being invaded, then Texas would have authority here. And of course, the Supreme Court never said that Texas has to stop putting up razor wire. They just said that the U.S. government can trespass on it, which the U.S. government has been doing. And not only that, that they can trespass on it for now. That case is still ongoing. And so the Supreme Court might still have to take another look at it. All right. What are we to make of this? And, and this is where this is where my I'm trying to sort of separate politics and law and you you bridge both of these. I, I guess we can reasonably agree that, OK, it doesn't say you can't put up razor wire. It says you can't keep federal agents off the property uh, near in this park near Eagle Pass. I think we have some live pictures of it that we'll put up um, at some point. This is one of the one of the areas you're just seeing massive waves uh, of immigration come across in Eagle Pass. But but the question remains the same. Once we get into a situation where you've got conservatives saying uh, you need to ignore a conservative Supreme Court, I'm, I'm just flipping this around here. If all of a sudden the court says, well, um, Donald Trump should be allowed on the Colorado uh, primary ballot, for example, and Colorado comes back and says, well, uh, go take a hike in the Rocky Mountains. We're not putting them on the ballot. I, I don't think conservatives uh, or Chip Roy would be very happy with ignoring the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it is the Biden administration that actually ignored the Supreme Court when they said uh, you can't have an eviction moratorium and they did another eviction moratorium or, you know, you can't uh, assert. I, I, that you know, may, the- may, I, may I understand the what about ism, but I'm just I'm just trying to have. Yeah, it's not. Stick it's not on this healthy. Issue. Right. It's not healthy to ignore the Supreme Court. And I don't take Chip Roy's I'm mad and and this is ridiculous to actually be any sort of instruction to ignore the Supreme Court. But here's the reason he's saying it is because politically, I think Americans do think something should be done at the southern border. Okay, so so take Chip Roy out of it. James, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution, this is Greg Abbott talking, foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats. Uh, the president is the commander in chief. Federal law allows the, the president control over the borders of the United States. That, that the, the, he may, Greg, Greg Abbott may not like it, but again, uh, sort of defying the president is not something that governors get to do. Well, except for it is, right? So the Constitution, through the invasion clause, through the guarantee clause, basically says, 
You state when you enter the union, we, the United States, agree to protect you from an invasion. And if we don't, and if you are being invaded, then you have the right to go to war, right? And so I don't think Greg Abbott is saying that he wants to go to war, but he wants to invoke the, you know, his National Guard right. in order to basically repel people. So but, that's the argument. You can buy it or not. No. But at least... You know, it is an argument. No, look, look, it, it, I, I put it this way. Having spent time down on the border, uh, it is an invasion. Uh, and you've got, you know, offend, effectively narco states with these cartels, quasi-governmental organizations and militaries uh, sending thousands upon thousands of people into the United States, uh, hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of Chinese nationals, uh, others from Middle Eastern countries, and on and on and on. So Greg Abbott has uh, a point there. May, it's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, well, hope. We will offer you hope, perhaps, of a different choice than Biden or Trump. Where do all the people who don't like either of them go? And Ford, along with other car companies, are slowing down the production of EVs because of falling demand. Scenes of Tesla graveyards in the snow didn't help. Can anything recharge the EV market? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So we'll let that pass. But the thing is, you look at what's happening, and out of everything that he said in his rant, he didn't talk about the American people once. He talked about revenge. All right, Nikki Haley on the stump, her first campaign event back in South Carolina, where she was governor. Uh, as we noted, it looks an awful lot like a presidential campaign event. We've gone a long way from the barns in Iowa through the diners in New Hampshire and now to something that looks very much like a major candidate's campaign event now about four weeks until the South Carolina primary. Nikki Haley's trying to contrast herself, not just between her opponent, Donald Trump, and the primary, but she's trying to tie Donald Trump together with Joe Biden. She wants to run against both of them. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton is with us tonight. He says he wouldn't vote for either candidate, that being Trump or Biden, come November. And the ambassador is with us now. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Um, I'm interested in, I, I ask this genuinely, okay, you wouldn't vote for either. Does that mean uh, that you you feel as though there's somebody else who has a chance or this would be a protest vote? No, look, uh, neither one of them is fit to be president, uh, although for somewhat different reasons. And obviously I faced that choice along with every other voter in 2020. I live in Maryland where you can write in the name of a person uh, for offices. And I wrote in somebody 
uh, whom I considered a conservative Republican for president in 2020 because I didn't think there were any conservative Republicans on the ballot, and I will probably do something similar. Uh, it's, it's not a happy position to be in to have both major parties do what 70 percent or more of the American public have been telling pollsters they don't want, which is nominate these two guys again. Yeah, I, I, look, I get the gripe, and we hear it all the time as we travel the country. It's something that Nikki Haley's trying to tap into. Here is her ad uh, that just went up on the air in South Carolina. Take a look. Biden, too old. Trump, too much chaos. A rematch no one wants. There's a better choice for a better America. Her story started right here. America's youngest governor, a conservative Republican. And boy, did she deliver. Okay, so if what you say is not just how sort of the the political elite and establishment of Washington feels, why doesn't the argument that you just made and that she's making in that ad work uh, in South Carolina with the Republican primary voters? Well, it may. She apparently is going to continue. I think it's a pretty steep hill to climb, but, but we'll find out whether it works. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's her decision. She has the resources to do it. If she wants to keep campaigning, that's fine. Uh, maybe she'll have success. Look, I'd vote in favor of a cardboard cutout before I voted for Donald Trump. So I'm, I'm delighted, at least, that there's still one other active candidate in the field. How, how can that be a bad thing? The dry sense of humor does not escape me, sir. Cardboard cutout is, a, uh, is, an, is an apt reference to how you feel. Let me sort of zoom out here. This may be one of the very few elections that is decided on the basis of foreign policy. We haven't really had that. I think you'd you'd probably go back maybe to 2004 to the Iraq war. You could have gone back even farther um, than that. Help us understand uh, where the world is right now and why I I understand your disagreements with President Biden, but you work for President Trump. He, a lot of his policies and the way that uh, the world looked at the end of 2020 uh, in terms of America's strength, I would th- think that maybe not by, by the means, but by the ends, you would have been pretty happy with. Well, there were certainly some things that I think went the right way. Withdrawing from the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran was the correct decision. Getting out of the intermediate nuclear uh, range forces treaty was the right decision. There, there were others as well. The problem with Trump is he has no philosophy. He doesn't have a domestic philosophy. He doesn't have an international affairs philosophy. He doesn't do policy making uh, in a coherent way. It's ad hoc, transactional, uh, seen through the prism of whether the outcome benefits Donald Trump. That's that's one of the reasons I don't think he's fit to lead. And I think when he does have sort of neuron flashes about the policy decisions. They skewed to the isolationist side of things, which I think will harm America in the very near term if he becomes president, for example, and withdraws from NATO, as he, as he wanted to do in his first term and as he has spoken about doing since then. I'd ask you just to be a, a little brief in your answer, but it, at the same point, if the choice is Joe Biden, um, with the issues that you have laid out with his foreign policy in America, uh, six months from now is in, is in an even, even more dangerous spot. And you have to choose between the two. I'm wondering why you wouldn't pick the person who at least left the country in 2020, I think reasonable people can agree, in a better place foreign policy-wise than it is today. 
because while it is unquestionably true that Joe Biden is weak and not competent uh, to be the leader of the United States in the world, Donald Trump is not competent either. He's feckless, he's irrational, he's erratic, he's inconsistent. Uh, sometimes he would make a decision and change it by the afternoon and change it back by the evening. Neither one of these people uh, measures up in my view. Well, and you have been around for a, an awfully long time and uh, seen and measured the temperament of, of many of the in. men in the White House. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. So don't rub it in. <laughs> I, I, I understand. I understand the feeling. Uh, we always appreciate the perspective, Ambassador. It's good to see you. Glad to be with you. Yeah. This week proved why electric vehicles don't work for driving, and they actually don't work for saving the world from climate change. Tesla reported earnings today. They missed fourth quarter estimates. Evidently, people don't like to buy electric cars in cold weather or when the economy's not doing well because electric cars don't always work in the cold weather. Ford is cutting output of battery-powered F-150 Lightnings. Chrysler, Dodge, and Jeep warn of a bloodbath as the Tesla pricing war continues, and it will, because Hertz is going to sell 20,000 of their EVs. Many of them are Teslas. GM stopped selling the Chevy Blazer EV due to charging and software issues. So electric cars are not going to save us. It's clear. Climate change enthusiasts, though, may have a new way to save the globe while they fly to Davos on their private jets. Climate change lockdowns. Because there's a group of people who warn that climate change could be worse than COVID. Smart people, people like Bill Gates, say this is the existential issue of our time. Fine. So they're using this as a justification to propose some pretty wild stuff. Banning short flights, for example, in France has already happened in the name of carbon emissions. In-home temperature mandates already happened in Texas and Colorado. There's the carbon taxes on travel that could be coming. Four-day school, four-day work weeks, remote learning and allowing to work from home, say, for a climate day, canceling school, et cetera. Limitations on access to power by local governments and utilities all are on the table. Kurt Bardella, Democratic strategist, LA Times contributor, former GOP Oversight Committee advisor, is with us now. Kurt, I see you smiling. I don't know whether to be worried or think that you're amused. I'm amused, Leland. I'm amused in this case. Listen, I, I'm someone who absolutely believes that the climate crisis is real, that we do have accelerating and increasing extreme weather events that we that manifest themselves, whether it's winter storms, whether it's drought, whether it's extreme heat. Those are very real. And those are things that we should absolutely do everything we can to try to protect certainly our children from. I'm all for having a, a, a you know, an extreme heat advisory where our kids maybe don't go to school that day and don't expose themselves to bad air quality. That said, the idea that we're going to start doing things like mass-produced vehicles that consumers clearly don't want makes no sense. The idea that we're going to use government to incentivize things that clearly there is no market for makes no sense. The idea that we're going to create an entire well, infrastructure around something that we don't have charging stations for that don't work in bad weather makes no sense. Well, it may make no sense, but we're doing it, right? And, and there's a lot of folks in the Democratic Party who are, are quite enthused by it. Uh, 77% of elites, this is new reporting from the Wall Street Journal, some fascinating polling, Support, quote, strict rationing of gas, meat, and electricity to fight climate change versus 28% of everybody else. More than two-thirds of Ivy uh, graduates favor banning things like gas-powered cars and stoves and inessential air travel in the name of the environment. More than two-thirds. 
More than 70 percent of average voters say they'd be unwilling to pay more than 100 a year in taxes or costs for climate compared to 70 percent of elites who said they'd pay for up to, from 250 up to, quote, whatever it takes. How is there a realization and maybe it's happening? Maybe this is the conversation we had to have, but it, evidently not at the White House because they're still talking about EVs. Is there starting to become a realization in the Democratic Party that the the climate change war, if you will, where where anything is justified because of, of how dangerous climate change is, might be a losing proposition? I sure hope they're realizing that it's a losing proposition. There is nothing more, frankly, offensive than a bunch of overprivileged rich people trying to tell the masses what they can or can't do in their own vehicles, in their own homes. Are these rich people going to live by these mandates themselves? These mandates would not affect them. You know why? Because they don't have to worry about things like childcare. They don't have to worry about getting around. They, they have their private planes, as you said. So the idea that someone in a private plane is going to tell someone work, a working class family, oh, but, but a single Kurt, mother, Kurt, we can all, we can all agree that's we can all agree that's John Kerry, right? That's the guy who was chosen to be the climate czar who was flying in his private jet while telling everybody how they couldn't have coal-fired power plants. Yeah, the hypocrisy is on display. And again, it is downright offensive. All right, fair enough. Good to see you as always, my friend. We'll welcome you back to Washington sometime soon. Speaking of war on climate, how about a real war? The United Kingdom's top general says he wants a citizen army prepared to fight the Russians. One U.S. senator says yet to more Ukraine funding in their fight against Putin's forces. He joins us next. The head of the British Army, General Sir Patrick Sanders, has called for the British public to prepare that something sounds exceedingly ominous when you read it. He says, quote, mass mobilization is needed. The UK must prepare for a possible war against Vladimir Putin's Russia, and he wants to train a citizen's army that will be ready to fight a land war in Europe on a moment's notice. His comments, of course, were taken with great note. But interestingly enough, they were echoed today by the former Minister of Defense for the Brits, Tobias Elwood. We need to listen and listen carefully. Uh, We've been too complacent. I think I've said this many times with you. What's coming over the horizon should shock us. It should worry us. And we are not uh, prepared. We've had a couple of decades, three decades or so since the Cold War. Life has gone well. It's now going to get more difficult. All right. On this side of the Atlantic, the battle over tens of billions of dollars in aid for Ukraine has intensified. Democrats and some Republicans say American dollars spent to fund Ukraine's war against Putin are weakening Russia without expending American lives. The flip side of that, of course, is that that's money that can be spent here in America. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin has his doubts about the $75 billion spent by American taxpayers in Ukraine and is with us now. Look, you, you have to sort of take somebody named Tobias Elwood seriously in some way. I don't know what it is. But is there any value to the argument, let Ukraine fight Russia, help Ukraine fight Russia, so that Vladimir Putin does not become more adventuresome into a place that American boys would have to fight? Well, first of all, there's merit to the argument that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's a war criminal. Uh, he invaded Ukraine, and the Ukrainian people who've been fighting for their freedom, for their uh, territorial integrity, uh, they need to be supported. So there's great validity to that. Um, but you also have to recognize we're, we're into this uh, bloody stalemate now two years. Uh, Vladimir Putin will not lose this war. Um, so the Biden strategy has not worked, 
And every day that goes by, more Ukrainians die. Uh, over 100,000 have already died. More than 100,000 Russian conscripts have died. Uh, more Ukraine gets destroyed. So the, this thing only ends in a settlement. Uh, sooner to settle, the better, uh, because every day that goes by, the, the settlement terms are going to get worse. I think it's an interesting concept. You said two things. One, uh, that it's gone on for 700 now days. Uh, and you're, you're right. All, all, almost all wars end in settlement. Uh, unconditional surrender is not going to be an option for Vladimir Putin. But you said something else. You said the Biden strategy, which is interesting because having spent time in in Ukraine in 2014 and, and at least tried to work hard to understand the current uh, White House strategy on the war in Ukraine, I can't figure out what their strategy is. Can you? Yeah, so it didn't work. <laughs> Whatever it is, it, it obviously hasn't worked. You know, initially, I, I talked to Wendy Sherman when she was going over there, and they were, you know, I was asking her, have you supplied the kind of defensive weaponry to deter Vladimir Putin? Yeah, we're doing that. We'll do it visibly. You'll let Russia know exactly what you're supplying so that he doesn't invade Ukraine. You know, then they were very slow at providing Ukraine the kind of weapons they, they needed to defend themselves. So again, they actually set this thing up for a long, hard slog, and that's exactly what they got. Why do you think there is a refusal by the White House to acknowledge this point and say, okay, we are going to start pressuring the Ukrainians and Vladimir Putin, which there's ways to put additional pressure on Vladimir Putin, and force some kind of deal rather than continuing to come to Congress and ask more money? They don't want to admit they failed. That's kind of a basic human tendency. But uh, again, this, this is tragic. Um, when, when you have the type of destruction, when you, when you have the kind of uh, you know, travesty that's been you know, really imposed on the Ukrainian people, they're not going to want to settle. I, I get that. But you know, I, I was the only member of Congress who went to Zelensky's inauguration. I went back a couple months later with uh, Senator Chris Murphy. And, uh, you know, at that point, Zelensky wanted to do a peace deal with, with Vladimir Putin. This was when Vladimir Putin had already illegally annexed Crimea. He yep. was in firm control of eastern Ukraine. But so Zel what is Zelensky it? knew that he couldn't dislodge Putin then. He can't dislodge him now. So we need both sides to come to the table and end this bloody stalemate. So let me, help me understand. Russia's now become the top China oil supplier for the first time since 2018. Their economy now is doing better than ever despite, despite the sanctions. Can Congress, do you feel that you're going to be able to sort of bully the White House by withholding Ukraine aid? Can the, can the power of the purse force the White House to change their foreign policy? Well, first of all, what Republicans are trying to do with the Ukraine aid is, you know, again, we're, we're somewhat split on that. Uh, I may be down the middle. Uh, I'd like to help the Ukrainian people. But we're trying to use the only leverage we have to force this administration to secure the border. We, we recognize that the open border policy of President Biden and his Democrat colleagues in, in Congress is a clear and present danger to America. It should be our top priority. So no matter how you view Ukraine, I think Americans ought to first secure our own border, and we ought to use every piece of leverage to actually secure the border. My concern are the negotiations. They're secret. This is something the American public supports us on. We ought to be laying out exactly what's required to actually secure the border rather than keep it all behind closed doors and you know, come up with some kind of Rube Goldberg uh, settlement with Democrats who want an open border, who cause a problem, and right now are only looking for political cover. All right, fair enough. Senator, it's good to see you, sir. Thank Have you very night. much. Coming up next, Donald Trump and Joe Biden agree on almost nothing, except they both want Nikki Haley out of the race. The media, not so much. We'll expose Haley's most important ally next. 
weekend, Drew. Uh, a lot of curious looks, some comparisons to Joe Biden. Seemed confused. He compared and confused Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi. 77, year old, 77 years old, Trump often touts his mental acuity about you know, the tests he takes and everything else. But there are signs of decline that I think we can all agree are becoming a little bit more prevalent. Our friend Colby Hall wrote in media, Trump's gaffes and slurring this weekend should be leading every newscast. Why aren't they? Stephen Krakauer is here, News Nation media contributor. I've got my own theory about why they did not, why the media that normally loves to hate on Trump didn't cover anything about this this weekend. But I want to hear your answer first. Yeah, I, I say a couple of things. First of all, I think it got some coverage. I, I, I saw yeah. a lot of articles about it, obviously. You know, Mediate uh, and my, my old boss there, Colby Hall, uh, wrote about it. Look, I, I think that if you look at, it's a matter of like, per, you know, perspective here, right? Donald Trump talks a lot. He's, he's constantly out there. And I think if we, if we do a, a ratio of, of how much Donald Trump talks versus how many of these gaffes or senior moments and that admittedly were pretty bad, Versus, say, Joe Biden, I, I don't think it's anywhere close. I mean, the, the ratio is completely off. Yeah. Joe Biden barely gets out there. And when he does, it's it's every second. It's like you're just like holding your breath, hoping that he doesn't huh? have this horrible gap. So I do think that there's an element of that. Uh, but look, I, I think it got some coverage. And I think that the media is going to find a way to talk about Donald Trump in a negative light, you know, in any way it possibly can. I'm not sure it was really trying to shy away from it too much in this instance. My my theory is, is that they don't want to draw attention. And I, I get this. You don't want to draw attention to the issue of mental acuity. Call it what you will or senior moments, whatever it is. Because once you start making that an issue in the campaign for Donald Trump, it invariably and by necessity will become a discussed about issue for Joe Biden, which the White House absolutely positively cannot have. Yeah, well, that, that that is that is true. I mean, I think it's funny you watch the 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 campaign Twitter accounts or X accounts on both the Biden side and on the Trump side, and there's constantly they're just they're just highlighting the other candidates' mental gaps or you know maybe cognitive yeah. issues. There, it's it is going to be an issue. I mean, as you mentioned, there these are very old people. These are senior people. Joe Biden's very old. Donald Trump's very old too. They are actually both older than George W. Bush and Bill Clinton are. I mean, it's it's actually amazing. Well, to yeah, that's right. They're they're older old they than are. Bush and Clinton are now. Which is sort of stunning when you think about how long it... Help me understand here, because typically there's a large portion of the media that really will carry water uh, for Joe Biden and for for Democrats and certainly against Donald Trump. Uh, But in this case, especially when when it comes to Nikki Haley, I'm kind of fascinated by the adoring coverage of Nikki Haley... Um, and the, the thought that she has a chance, which we can agree or disagree about whether she does, but sort of this fawning coverage of her, see her on stage right now, where it's so clear for both Trump and Biden, it's better if she was gone. Why is that? Yeah, I, I think that there is a couple biases at play here. Uh, one of them is, is a bias towards having something exciting to talk about. This has been somewhat of a dud election cycle. Normally you get something, you know, maybe the Democratic side like 2020 or 2016, you got exciting Democratic and Republican side. This one, it's it's we know where this is headed. It's Biden versus Trump rematch. No one's particularly excited about that. Nikki Haley at least gets us a little bit excited. Oh, maybe there's a chance here. I don't know if anyone really thinks that there is. I I think, though, what's what's most interesting and, and look, I was at CNN. I've been in other places in the corporate media. I think Donald Trump is a 
is a unique, singular figure. Nikki Haley is a Republican. She's a conservative. She would get some negative coverage from more objective places as, as a typical Republican. Donald Trump is unique. And I, and I think the, the rules of journalism are thrown out the window when it comes to him. And so I don't think that there is this sort of like hypocrisy or this, you know, this, there's no intellectual consistency See, when it comes I hate to covering to one side or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Fair, fair, fair enough. We got to run. I've been a longtime fan of your work. Glad to have you on. You'll be back on the Likewise. program soon. When we come back, you, the viewer, has spoken. A look at some of your takes on the hit, hits and misses from our 10 days on the trail. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Put it on the card. Put it in the bag. These three bags used to be six. Seems like the only thing going up these days is your credit card balance. If only there were some place to turn. Just ask your home. It's got equity. And with Rocket Mortgage, you can use it to get cash quickly for whatever you need. Visit JustAskYourHome.com today. Call 1-800-863-4332 for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks-Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies. Teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician. Hey everyone, Operation Lifesaver here. Today, we're going to find out what delivery drivers know about railroad safety. What do you do if your vehicle gets stuck on the railroad tracks? Get out of the car. Correct. Do you take the pizza? No, then I call my boss. No, then you call the number on the blue and white ENS sign. And tell them I'm stuck in the crossing ID number. Exactly. Remember, get out, get away. Find the blue and white sign to save your life. Leave the pizza. See tracks, think train. For more information, go to oli.org. You can't escape a traffic jam. Know what else you can't escape? Seasonal allergies. And you might think you can avoid that coffee stain until... Oh, really? You can't escape a lot of things in life. But you can escape prediabetes. Prediabetes captures one in three adults. There are usually no signs of prediabetes. In fact, most people don't even know they have it. But with early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Take action by taking the one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. You might not be able to escape having this song stuck in your head. But you can escape prediabetes. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Connell McShane. Join me weekdays, 3 to 5, on America's fastest growing news channel. My mom has decided to learn to paint, and she's good. My dad's now into creative cuisine, and I've already put on six pounds. 
Learning new things comes with age. My mom, she started forgetting my name and what we're talking about. Forgetting well-known things doesn't. Memory loss may be a sign of Alzheimer's disease. Early detection gives you and your loved one time to plan for the future. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. A message from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. I came to Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous overweight and depressed. I was dieting, binging, stealing food, and lying about it for years. For help, call 781-932-6300 or visit foodaddicts.org. I knew I had a weight problem. I didn't know I was addicted to food. The FA program gave me a healthy body. I'm free from obsessing about my weight or food. Call FA 781-932-6300 or visit us on our website at foodaddicts.org. We heard from a lot of you over the past few weeks about our coverage in Iowa and New Hampshire. Ethan Grubb wrote after our Nikki Haley coverage, I've never actually met someone that likes Nikki Haley. I don't think they exist. They do, Ethan. I met them in Iowa and New Hampshire. But to be fair, we found a lot more people supporting Nikki Haley because they don't like Donald Trump than because they like Nikki Haley. Judith J., Democrats want Haley. You will have a lot of Democrats voting in New Hampshire for Haley. Let's you know they are afraid to run against Trump. To be fair, Democrats can't vote in the New Hampshire Republican primary. I didn't hear that line of thinking from any of the Democratic-leaning voters supporting Haley, but interesting point. Eve wrote back to War Notes, I guess the Republican Party has anointed Trump and all the voters who have not yet had a chance to make their choice known, should just F off. In this, the Republican Party is no different than the Democrats. When they anointed Hillary, perhaps they will be rewarded with the same result. You have a point, Eve. A fraction of a fraction of Republicans have even had the chance to vote. Lenore, over email, hey, you and the team are enjoying the diner food in New Hampshire. The Republicans are dying. Biden moving up in the polls. There's more but that's probably a good place to cut it off, writes my assistant, Katie. I think you were referring to our Instagram stories recounting our sampling of food through Iowa and New Hampshire, including Dinah Fingers, which are homemade Twinkies at the Red Arrow Diner. I can report that they are better than real Twinkies. I would go back just for the Twinkies. Kathleen, over email today, it is though our country has fallen and can't get up. I do not see it ending up a Biden-Trump race, but I guarantee you if it is, the Dems are poised to do exactly what and how to do it as in 2020. Time will tell to News Nation, keep up the good fight. Kathleen, we will keep up the good fight here, fair and fearless as always. Uh, We would ask you at home, tell your friends about News Nation, why you trust us, why you've chosen to join us through the campaign for our coverage of both President Biden and the Republican race. Follow along at warnotes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. It comes out at 4 p.m. every day. It's a free look at the show. Gives you our thoughts on the most important stories of the day. We'll see you on social media, at Leland Vittert on Instagram and Twitter. That's warnotes.com. Subscribe there. You can respond to the email, and obviously we'll share some of the best thoughts on air. I'll see you tomorrow night. everybody. I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Wednesday. We're live. So what do you say? Let's get after it. We have some things to be concerned about, and we'll go through them together tonight. We're going to start with a case. Doesn't make sense. Three found dead, frozen stiff 
in the yard of their friend. The man living there, the friend, says he had nothing to do with it. So what happened? We have the father of one of the victims. He has a theory. He believes drugs were involved and that the men were dragged into the snow and that the man living there does know something about it. We have him on. We also have the lawyer for the man who lives in that house, and he has a different story. We also have our best investigator showing us the clues as they exist. It's a true mystery case. We'll go through it together. Then the big man is here, Bill O'Reilly. He says...